0: Meteors don't rise, not to success, not to fame. They fall, and they burn, and when they're gone, there's nothing left but the strobed afterimage of their passing and the dust riding the uncaring wind. That's what I would have said to Klaus if I thought he'd listen. Instead, I kept quiet and watched as he built his own private kingdom in hell, dragging me along as a willing court jester. Klaus may have been a meteor, but God was he beautiful when he burned. I know about meteors. I never burned as bright as Klaus, nor did I aspire to the heights he reached. The meteor traces a solitary path, as have I. My father, who was nearly fifty when I was born, was my idol, my life. He was a teacher. He taught music, and he taught the beauty of words. I was a good student, fascinated by the mysteries he unveiled. It was those lessons, I suppose, that brought Klaus and I together. I amused him. My speech, the product of too many classical works of literature before puberty, and my sense of morals, which I inherited from long talks with my father, made me somewhat of an oddity. Archaic is the word that comes to mind. If not for my music, I might have ended up dusting the shelves in some museum, or rearranging books in a library. Klaus heard me, I once thought by accident, in a recital in my senior year of college. He liked what he heard and became determined to show me the world. Infatuated as I was by his looks, his popularity, and his seemingly unwavering control over the events of his life, I followed. Of course, there was the music. If Klaus had been a gnomish dwarf, diseased and ugly, I still would have followed him for the music, I and a thousand others. In the end, it was the music that drew around him like a shroud. It began in Germany, not ten miles from Klaus's birthplace, in the shadow of the mountain that held his father's tomb. It was a small town, a village really, and Klaus's fame had long outdistanced his roots. We were there on a whim. That was the story of his life. We walked those streets, the four of us, Klaus, Damon, Peyton, and I, moving like aliens on a visit to Earth from a far galaxy, or royalty slumming through the dregs of some ancient kingdom. Only Klaus and I were comfortable there, he because it was the place of his birth, and I because it reminded me of my own roots." I was raised in such a place, and at times I missed the quaint solitude. The great cities of the Western world accepted Klaus as a musical prophet, a dark, brooding god of the pantheon of rock music, a term he held in the lowest contempt. Klaus's music transcended the understanding of his audiences, moved them through private inner realms where their insipid vocabularies and tired, cliched consciousness was at a loss. They called him a star. They were nearly right. It was I who finally realized, and too late to do any good, that it was the path of the meteor Klaus aspired to, not that of the star. He wanted to play on the mountain. He wanted to perform on the land where his father and his father's father sowed their seeds, where the ghosts of his past still walked. He wanted to leave his mark where his ancestors had left theirs, so that's where we went. The people of Rathburg were distanced from us by culture— by a morbid, unavoidable sort of curiosity, and by their fear. They did not, I think, want us there, Klaus especially, and they did not want our music. We were outcast, and we brought a horde of others in our wake that belonged, if possible, even a bit less than we did. Klaus would never perform without his entourage of groupies, fans, celebrities, and wannabes of the moment following, and if he preferred an obscure mountain above a small German village, that was where they would flock to, trashing taverns and devastating the quiet countryside as they came. There were few among the citizens of Rathburg who even acknowledged us. We were a bad dream, a plague that would be cured only by the passing of time. Klaus haunted the streets, hovered in the darker corners of the inn's public room, passed in resolute silence before the gates of the tiny cathedral, and ignored the accusing eyes that shadowed him. He spoke with those few who remembered his family, He questioned those who had known his father ten years dead. He walked for hours in silence among the small trails and cottages, staring for what seemed small eternities at things I could never know, things from a past he never spoke of, but that consumed him like burning flames. He was never alone, but by the time we realized the truth of it, he was beyond our help.